Gather round, good people, and lend me your ears For a cast of a pod that'll quell all your fears A Robin Hood story, he's Prince of the Thieves Told a minute at a time, so sit back and breathe Now Travis of the Bow, be host of this show Joined by guests of the realm With he at the helm, they'll examine this movie Until it is done, prepare for adventure This episode has begun Really, really, Greetings, outlaws, rogues, and heroes, and welcome to Minute of Thieves, the only podcast daring enough to discuss the 1991 Kevin Reynolds film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, one minute at a time. But we're still on the road to Sherwood. We haven't gotten to Prince of Thieves yet, and uh, this stop on the road to Sherwood is is Robin and Marion from 1976, by directed by Richard Lester, and I am joined by Robert Kelly. Hello. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Definitely want to kick right off with uh, what, uh, why'd you pick this one? Or I guess, did I offer this to you or did you look at the list and see you, this you, one? You offered me this one. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but it's very likely uh, I would have picked this one, mm. especially if uh, the Errol Flynn one wasn't available. Ah. <laughs> so I almost see them as... Uh, series together, the two. Okay, of them. I think they uh, they follow each other well. I could kind of see that. Yeah, it's not perfect. Um, sure, but I mean, any movies made thirty years apart mm-hmm. are going to look different. Yeah, and one of the things this movie deals with a lot that is something that's uh, fascinating to me is the way that myth and reality complement each other. Okay. Yeah. And how you need to understand both. Mm. So in that we have, with the adventures of Robin Hood, we have the uh, the myth. Yeah. And with this, we see the reality <laughs> uh, coming in. And this movie, I was telling my wife while I was watching it, you know, ultimately, it's about uh, the failure of great men to be great men. Mm. They're, uh, they're just men. <laughs> sure, yeah. Huh. And so that's that's something fascinating to me. It's almost like a, the the man who shot Liberty Valance, John Wayne, John okay. Ford Western. They're from the same playbook. This this uh this analysis of myth and its role in history and storytelling, and that myth has value so long yeah. as you don't lose sight of the historical fact. Hmm. I think I struggled with that a little bit. Um, when we were kind of first meeting Robin and, and when he first uh, meets up with, you know, his merry men and they're kind of talking about the the old days. You know, I think Robin at one point even says like, well, none of that happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting. It's like, were you an outlaw and what did you do? You know, there obviously he has history with the sheriff. I wish I had. I wish this was a sequel to a previous adventure starring these same, you know, people. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't considered the idea of it being a spiritual sequel to you know the the Adventures of Robin Hood, and thinking about it like that, that kind of works. But no, I'm I'm really excited to talk about this one. What uh, what's your history with Robin and Marion? So I have been a huge Robin Hood fan since I was mm. a little kid. Great. And I went through a period in about third grade where I was just 
reading and watching everything. Mm. I read uh, Howard Pyle's The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood at about that time. Okay. And as I was watching other Robin Hood movies, there was nothing covering the death of Robin Hood. Yeah. Which is, I think, one of the... It's a stunningly beautiful and grim story in, mm-hmm. at the end of that. Even then, I was kind of a morbid kid. Turns out I had depression. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, me too. <laughs> I wanted to see that depicted in some way because mm-hmm. it is like it's a kind of the whole thing of Robin Hood is making the best of a bad situation. Sure. Well, I'm an outlaw. Well, I'm going to use, you know, my status of being outside the law to help people, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I'm dying. I can at least control the narrative of my death. Right. So this is also around the time I started having access to the internet at school. Okay. And so I started looking for more Robin Hood movies, and this came okay. up. We were able to rent it from Hollywood Video. Mm. I loved it, and my sisters thought it was depressing, and it <laughs> kind of is. But uh, yeah, so I, that was when I saw it, and then I hadn't seen it for years and they started playing it on uh, an over-the-air TV network called Get TV that's owned by Sony. Okay. And so Sony's just dumping stuff on there. Like, whatever we own that we can fill airtime. Right. And so this, they played this for a couple of weeks every day, twice a day. Huh. And so I would just pop in and check out parts of it and always stunned me. And wherever it was when I turned it on, I wound up watching the rest of it unless I had to leave. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, that's my history with it. Right on. I was almost unaware of this movie uh, for the longest time. I, I I feel like the first time I ever found out about this movie, I was in maybe like a Target and they just had an end cap with DVDs and Robin and Marion was on it. And I was, you know, I noticed uh, Sean Connery and I thought mm-hmm. I didn't know he did a a Robin Hood movie, and like I, th- I probably picked it up and maybe read the back of it, or just at least looked at the the pictures, you know, on the back of it, and just kind of nothing more than just a huh, okay, yeah. well, you know, and on my on my way, you know, I and mean, that was easily ten plus years ago, fifteen maybe, yeah, and so hadn't really thought about this movie since then. I, I at that point then knew that he was in a a Robin Hood movie, but never sought it out or anything. I mean, I wish I had. I, I like Sean Connery and everything, but yeah, just really had no drive to to seek out this movie again. And then, of course, you know, now doing doing the show, I mean, um, definitely wanted to see what this movie was all about. And 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 I'm so glad I put it on the uh, the list to cover. So I I really liked it. I. Was a little nervous at the start seeing Richard Lester's uh, name in the <laughs> as director because I am not a huge, not, I'm not a fan of Superman two, and I mean I know he's done other things, you know. That's kind of what he's best known for these days, though. Yeah, so this was an odd watch for me because again, I didn't, I kind of went in with it into it with zero expectations, mm-hmm. and then. Didn't know what I was going to get. And like as it started, you know, the it kind of opens in this, you know, almost like a desert area. And we just see, you know, these two sort of bumbling knights, you know, or guys in, in you know, uh, helmets and, and medieval armor. And it looks like something straight out of Monty Python's Holy Grail. Yeah. 
and they they start digging in the dirt and they bump each other's heads and I thought is this a comedy you know I I was I didn't know what I was in for and they start digging in the dirt like I said and they dig up this big rock and they carry the rock over to a catapult and one of them like smashes their finger and does an audible like ooh you know <laughs> and and pulls his finger back and kind of sucks on it like again I'm like is is this a comedy like I I I didn't know what what you know what the tone was going going right. to be you know so starting off there I'm like okay this will be an interesting one I knew it wasn't a flat out comedy like a you know men in tights or something like mm-hmm. that but seeing that tiny little bit of like almost slapstickiness you know I'm like oh it's going to be one of these types of movie and then then thinking back to like Superman 2 I'm like oh, that's not the stuff that's the stuff I like the least you know it, right. it's kind of that stuff that he he does in Superman too. So then I was worried. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna like this. <laughs> but you know, the movie changes dramatically, kind of as we go. So yeah, well, yeah. it's uh, Richard Lester's background was, of course, he did a uh, comedies primarily, mm-hmm. slapstick comedies, and he directed the first two Beatles movies. Yeah, uh, A Hard Day's Night and Help. Right. Which A Hard Day's Night is kind of like a hmm, kind of wacky situation, blah, blah, blah. But Help is a complete and total farce. Like mm. a send-up of spy movies and intrigue and just sure. completely nuts. Then uh, he started doing swashbucklers. So he mm. did like uh, two Three Musketeers movies and some right. pi- pirate movies and stuff. And I think what Richard Lester would go on to do is influenced by his swashbucklers, but, Mm. you know, this is the perfect time for him to have made this. With that opening scene, I thought it really set the tone perfectly. Because not so much... He's using his ability as a comedic director to set the stage that this is not... Compare this to the Ridley Scott Robin Hood, which I'm sure (laughs) Sure. y'all will get to at some point. Yeah. Which opens with an almost identical scene. Mm-hmm. Of a siege in France, right. post Crusades, uh, under Richard the Lionheart, with Robin and Little John, yeah, and where that is very much oh look how cool and gory and weird everything is. Sure, this is look at how mundane, how stupid, how petty, how silly mm-hmm. this is, and I think that's the point of the film. There's no glory in in war or battle. Yeah any of that and uh it starts out by saying this explicitly with with that scene you know they dig up the stuff it's just a big rock (laughs) yeah and and the the funny thing is they're here richard the lionheart has heard that this uh this keep has is holding a treasure is holding some sort of gold statue that he wants for himself so he's tasked Robin and Little John to, you know, go in, get the statue using whatever means sort of sort of is sort of necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so Robin's here. He talks to the this, this single old man who's trying to defend this place or at least being, you know, abstinent about like he's not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Come in and get me if you want. Yeah, he even he tells Robin like, "There's no statue here. There's no gold. It's a it's a rock, and we left it. You know, it's in the turnip field, hundred yards over there. Yeah, at a field. Like, it, have at it if you want it." 
And this guy, uh, yeah, this old man, uh, one thing very, uh, you know, it's like the first thing we see is, is this old man's face and you see, you know, he's obviously missing an eye mm-hmm. and this is clearly in the time where they didn't fake this. You know, this, this, the actor is, this, is, guy, uh, has Esmond, <laughs> this guy has one eye and we see it, you know, uh, Esmond Knight is his name. And, uh. I had to look him up just because I was mm-hmm. kind of curious about him. Um, Esmond served in the Royal Navy during World War II and lost one eye and was almost totally blinded in the other. Dur- mm-hmm. Almost totally blinded in the other during an engagement against the Bismarck. This didn't stop him later por- portraying a Royal Navy officer in Sink the Bismarck from 1960. So mm. he went on to be in a movie about the ship that he was. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, I love this opening scene, you know, and it's, uh, it's also funny. Like they, they launch this rock towards the, uh, this castle and it goes like 20 yards, you know, it just kind of, <laughs> it, it doesn't even, you know, it doesn't, they don't even succeed at, at this. It's just like, what the hell are we doing here? And then you just kind of meet Robin. He's just there, you know, kind of observing this, uh, situation. Um, so it kind of lacks a big, you know, pomp and circumstance of, of meeting our hero right. or seeing him for the first time. He's just here. He kind of is, you know, doesn't care about what whatever they're doing here. He obviously he doesn't want uh, to inflict any harm on these people once mm-hmm. he's especially once he realizes that, you know, this is all for nothing. You know, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I think at this point I was so keyed up for, again, like ex- expecting like a holy grail, you know, yeah. just based on what I've seen so far. And then we meet, you know, then Richard Harris as Richard the Lionheart shows up and it's like, Wonderful. Uh, yeah, he, he gets a couple scenes in this movie, obviously early on mm-hmm. and he just monologues so well. Um, he reminds me a lot of the great scene that uh, Max von S- Sydow has in Conan the Barbarian, oh, yes. you know, a little bit like that kind of same energy. And uh, he, he rides up, he's, He's furious that that Robin and Little John haven't taken this castle. Like, what what's the holdup? Why are you delaying? <laughs> you know, and Robin is like, it's an old man and a bunch of women and children. And what you want is a rock, you know. And so he flat out refuses mm-hmm. to to push the uh, the issue. Of course, Richard, Richard, we you know, it, it's an interesting Richard the Lionheart because I'm used to. Richard Lionheart being noble and being, you know, shown as being a, a good person, mm-hmm. you know, based on the the couple of Robin Hood movies I've seen featuring right. Richard the Lionheart. He's always shown to be, yeah, just noble. And this guy is like, I want that statue. Uh, I don't care who's in my way to get it. Go get it. And like I said, Robin refuses. And the next thing we see is just the castle on fire right. and sunset and, and all that. So, of course... I'm skipping over the the injury that that Richard the Lionheart receives here. <laughs> Again, just this goofy moment where the the old you know one eyed man just takes an arrow and hurls it from the <laughs> like a little spear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, physics wise, would he be able to throw an arrow and puncture a man's neck the way we see here? Probably not. But well, and uh, we we do see that it doesn't penetrate deeply. Yeah, yeah. It's like barely in there. One of the interesting things is, uh, historically, the historical person of Richard the Lionheart 
did die from a gangrenous neck wound from an arrow. Mm. Okay. After a siege, uh, a siege in uh, Toulouse, France, he died at Toulouse. Okay. Yeah. Um, from the that wound turning gangrenous. And that's totally believable. I mean, yeah, in yeah. this in this era, yeah, any wound could, is has the potential to be uh, fatal. And the the traditional story, which this may not be as historical, is that uh, well, the part that is historical is the the Lord of Toulouse had run off, leaving mm-hmm. people defenseless. Gotcha. And the the legend is that a little boy was trying to defend his family, and he shot. Richard from the wall, mm. and you know, according the you know the myth of King Richard the Lionhearted being this great guy is still present historically, mm-hmm. and so the legend says that you know he had the boy captured mm. and brought to him on his deathbed, and he gave him a hundred gold shillings and a pardon and set him free because he was just defending his his family. Right. Um, what we actually know about Richard and the seas at Toulouse is that. Uh, I think he did have everyone there put to death. <laughs> okay. So, and it was not fighting age men. And his record in the Crusades is also pretty pretty terrible and just yeah. having people murdered as suited him. Right. So, again, we're having, from the very beginning of this movie, this deconstruction of the myth. And we even get the feeling that, you know, Robin Hood and Little John have been through this with Richard before. Right, like he's been like, I don't like that you did that. Go to jail, and then he's like, uh, Hey, I need yeah. your help. <laughs> <laughs> and like he he says when the surgeon's operating on him, they ask him, Are you going to put them to death? He's like, I don't know. It depends on what mood I'm in. I'm a very moody fellow. Yeah, yeah. You know? I I love that about this performance mm-hmm. of of Richard. You know, it's he's he's got all this power, and he's just kind of bored with it. You know, he's. The, this castle is on fire behind him, and he's, you know, talking about, oh, it's it's getting so dark. Let's 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 move on. I'm I'm I don't like the dark. You know, I don't want to be here anymore. Let's you know get me home. Yeah. That that sort of thing. And it's like this guy doesn't care that are they might even be standing over the the statue. Yes, you know the, the stone. You know, yeah. piece of junk. Nothing. You know. And yeah, it's it's such a interesting character. I really like this uh, this kind of opening, you know, first couple scenes of the movie, and and seeing this character. And then we, yeah, I think then we probably cut to the uh, the jail cell yes. that Robin and and Little John are in. And this is a uh, you know, this was great. Like at first, I didn't know that Nicole Williamson was playing Little he's John. So good. Um, oh my he, god, he's great. Incredible. My my experience with Nicole Williamson is Excalibur mm-hmm. and uh, Spawn, you know, and uh, mostly from Spawn. Um, <laughs> and like Excalibur, you know, is is one of those movies that I'm not a fan of. I think it's it's just uh, it's too much. It's it's a little bit too much. I I've always found it boring and hazy. You know, I just don't <laughs> care for the movie. Um, he's fine in it, I guess. Like if I had to. Oh, yeah, so but, far as um, it is. And I, I like him in uh, the same year he was in The 7% Solution, the Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. That's okay. He's great in that. Uh, I like him in The Exorcist 3. But this mm-hmm. is this is really something. This is a yeah stunning performance. I was, I was, yeah, I was surprised that he was playing Little John because in my head, Little John should always be, 
you know, sort of the towering, honestly, you know, either uh, Nick Brimble from from Prince of Thieves or the guy that they have in uh, Men in Tights, you know, oh, just great. a big guy. And so we've had I've had a couple instances of, of Robin Hood, you know, little Johns that are just kind of the same size as Robin. And I thought they were going to be like him standing next to Sean Connery. He's actually a little bit taller. And I don't know if that's uh, true to life or if they're, you know, they're the same, they're know, the if, same height from what I look. They're both about six two. Okay. I don't know if they've got risers in, in Nicole, but he also like his costuming, they've got like bear pelts on, yeah. or, you know, animal pelts on his shoulders. So he, he pulls off being bigger than Robin. And I, and I like that. And just, I like this conversation that they have at the start. It's like <laughs> here at the start, kind of meeting Robin, who seeing who Robin is, it's a more thoughtful character than I'm used to seeing Sean Connery. Play. Yes, for sure. You know, I'm so used to, we, in my other show, we've covered all the, the James Bond movies and I'm so used to that him as Bond and just kind of being cold and like using people to get what he needs and, and, uh, Sean Connery movies over the years. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm used to the older sort of badass yeah. sort of, uh, Sean Connery, you know, the rock and, and I mean, whatever else, but yeah, this is a different sort of character that I don't know if I've ever seen Sean Connery really play. Um, so I was really into it, you know, and I like having uh, this little John who's very, you know, supportive and, and very wise. I wasn't, you know, expecting that. I mean, he just a uh, good, solid, like, team up. Yeah. Good pairing. Uh, well, as, again, as having consumed so much Robin Hood throughout my life, these feel very much like the, uh, the way they are portrayed uh Overall, prior to something like uh, the Disney movie, mm, yeah, which which dominates a lot of the the popular conception of Robin Hood and Little John, mm-hmm. I think probably that and Robin Hood Men in Tights are the first ones most people see. Mm. To me, they feel very natural. I do also want to say I do love Alan Hale as Little John, okay. and yeah. again, I think he does something pretty similar. He's not asked to do as much as Nicole Williamson is mm-hmm. in this. But he does something very similar in terms of portraying the physicality of it. He's right. not that much taller than Errol Flynn, but he's a much broader, larger man. And he plays right. that physicality really well. So I, I like him in that, but I think this is this is one of my favorite little Johns ever. Just okay. the performance and the emotional depths he pulls on, especially toward the end of the film. But yeah. right now, just his like... It, at, here at the beginning where he's just like... Okay, yeah, let's, uh, whatever you say, man. <laughs> yeah, and this uh, little scene while they're in this, this jail, they decide they're going to make a break for it, and this this scene was truly funny. It was, this was great, because Robin spies, like, a little, you know, hole in the ceiling that, uh, you know, it's just a just a tiny little window to let light in, and he, uh, he has John kind of stand under <laughs> it, he gets on John's... <laughs> back and yeah it's just this sight gag of these two men you know on top of each other while robin like hacks at the stonework with a glass bot broken glass bottle and he finally gets the the stone you know out makes a big enough opening and here comes a jailer (laughs) you know opens the door and just sees these two men just in this ridiculous state what what gets me the most about it is the way they set it up. They see Robin sees the thing, mm. breaks the bottle, tells little John stand there, and yeah. he just does it. 
And you can tell mm-hmm. by his face when Robin steps on his back. That's not what he was expecting to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then shows, you know, he starts hacking at the stone with the, the glass. And it goes, the camera goes down from Robin mm. to Little John to the ground. And yeah. then it comes back up. And you see the time has progressed, and he's pulling right. the stone out. And just the way they, they again, they're drawing attention to the ridiculousness of all mm. the the mythological elements. Like, <laughs> of course, yeah. Oh no, he he sawed through the the stone with a piece of glass. How long is it going to take? <laughs> you know. No. And then the jailer walks in. He's just like, "Okay, come on." <laughs> yeah. Quit farting around and follow King's me. Gonna you know. See you now. No, that was that was really fun, you know. And then they're presented to the king, and he looks rough, you know. He he's clearly on the verge of death, and he's just in this. Uh, <laughs> I wrote down he's in a wretched hive of of scum yeah. and villainy. Like it's just this dirty room that he's in. There's animals. There's people. There's like it just. You know, it's it's almost like they're in a barn, yeah. you know. Um, it doesn't look like anyone's having a good time either. No. Like, they're all just waiting for him to die. Yeah, there are people dancing and, and maybe some music going, and you can kind of get that vibe that it's like Richard has commanded that there be music mm-hmm. and dancing. You know, no one's excited to be here, like you said. Like, um, yeah, it's just this, whatever the opposite word for opulent is, you know, it's just bleak. And so, yeah, they're they're presented to the king and he's kind of just stumbling around and he pretty much blames Robin. Like, well, I'm dying and it's your fault because you let, you know, yeah. you didn't uh, take that castle like I commanded you to. So my death is on on you. Mm-hmm. This is all your fault. So no, I'll I'll draw I'll draw attention in this scene, uh, which I love. Mm-hmm. First of all, Richard Harris's performance again. Yeah, it's it's. Very much the same character, because I mean, one thing I I think a lot of the time you see a temptate. Look, let's look at Star Wars. I love all the Star Wars movies, all of. Well, eh. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in Return of the Jedi, when Darth Vader is dying, you know, mm-hmm. even with David Prowse still, where where Luke is carrying him out, that becomes a very different performance in the physicality. Mm. That's not what Richard Harris is doing here. He yeah. is doing the exact same performance, but showing how it is a performance, even for the character. Mm. The character is performing this as he's dying. We don't know yeah. where Richard yeah. really is because he is acting like a tough guy mm. or a flippant guy, at least. But that's that's just something I think is very interesting. Again, I think this is a movie about great men falling short of their their greatness and having to just sure. just be men and we see this motif repeated from the beginning with Richard to Robin at the end but right yeah i mean uh he like i said the king kind of comes at robin with a sword and you know stumbles through it and robin sort of catches him and it it's really his like last you know bit of effort yeah. uh, that he can muster and Robin holds him as he as he dies and gets pardoned. Yeah, so at least uh, that was a little bit of a surprise to me because I assumed that this is where Robin will become an outlaw again. Is sort of through this, and uh, um, but no, he's he's 
they're free to go. So well, and he he yeah. And my favorite bit here is uh, the funeral procession. Sure. Where they're they're leaving and the procession is going through, and little John's like, "Well, should we uh, should we follow?" He's like, right. "No, we were we were there when he died. Say a quick prayer. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be on the way." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they sort of just get a nice, you know, almost frolicking through uh, fields as they ride, you know, towards England, and mm-hmm. and um, just a very like jaunty and and the music is all bouncy and and everything's pleasant and but even though they like they pass a, a row of you know peasants that are kind of tied together yeah. and, you know but it's it's just sort of that arrow where it's like well that's just you know that's just the way it is you know they're not well and i think part, part of part of what that does is because we're telling a very different kind of robin hood story Part of what this does is it gives you the it scratches the itch of okay yeah here's the the adventuring uh, adventuring Robin Hood you know high adventure spirited mm-hmm. Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest you know yeah and uh, at the same time when we see them you know pass the prisoners or whatever we are seeing mm-hmm. that well these are not the uh, the mythic do gooders they're, they're right. just guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, he's moved on maybe from righting every wrong, mm-hmm. you know, maybe these, these people are, have a legitimate reason to be, you know, in captivity, yeah. I guess. Um, what I really like is when they get to Sherwood and they kind of get into the forest and it almost has like a, a hook sort of vibe to it for me, um, of like, character well after yeah. the legend coming back and it's like they're finding the old forest and it's like everything's overgrown it's not like they left it they get through um one you know thick area of the forest and they find their old you know their old camp mm-hmm. and it's like oh this was you know this is where this was the camp and and this this is where it kind of started to I started to realize like this is the the after the legend of Robin yes. Hood had already, you know, happened. I kind of knew that going in that this was obviously an older Robin Hood, but I didn't realize that he'd already been Robin Hood, mm-hmm. you know. So I really liked that aspect of it, but uh yeah, they they find like their old kind of the main tree, I think that they used to hang out and they're looking around and everything's overgrown and you can tell like, well, that's probably where we used to have a big fire, yeah. like there kind of looks like a fire pit and then there's kind of one area that you know, he, he, I don't know if he says here later with Marion that this is where his home, his house was. And mm-hmm. yeah, I like them coming back after the legend had, has already come and gone. Right. Again. And, and again, it's, uh, it's looking at the reality, you know, it's letting mm-hmm. the reality set in. And that's another important thing. Like, you yeah, know, this is, people don't talk a lot about, oh, this is the, the day to, what was the day to day life? You know, it wasn't all fighting the sheriff and whatever. Yeah. You know, you had to eat. You had to cook. You had to go to the bathroom, you know. And I think it, this this movie does a great job drawing attention to the man- mundanities that are behind sure. something like that. And one thing that surprised me, you know, quickly they, they we find out Will Scarlet and Friar Tuck are also in these woods um, in close proximity to, to John and Robin. Mm-hmm. And they meet up, of course, and have a little scuffle before they all realize, you know, who each other are, which is fun. It's it's also kind of like 
it's only been 20 years, you know, yeah. you, you would recognize each other. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're reacquainted and they're sitting around the fire. Uh, Tuck's making bread. Will is actually playing an instrument and singing. And I don't know if they're, if maybe they're merging Will Scarlet and Alan Adale sort of character. I'm, I mean, not that Will can't also, you know, play a, play an instrument and sing a song, but. Um, no, I think, I think they are because. Yeah. The wheels already get smushed together. Sure. And while I would have liked to have had another merry man mm. around, another one of the old guys. Yeah. People remember Little John, Will Scarlet, Friar Tuck. Those are yep. the ones people remember. And you're dealing with the nostalgia. This whole movie is deconstructing the nostalgia. Yeah. So it's import- most important that they're there. And so mm-hmm. from a writing perspective, folding Alan Adele into it makes the most sense to fold him into will scarlet because he's already a composite character sure and uh why would friar tuck be the one doing that that's not his characterization does not allow for that will scarlet as kind of the slightly foppish but just as dangerous as everyone else guy does allow for that so just from a writing perspective trying to keep it clean yeah that's the way to go and the way they talk about, like, well, where's everyone else? Well, some died, some mm-hmm. got real yeah. jobs, some, you know, just yeah, scattered. Y'all left. Like, what did you expect? Right, yeah. Um, well, I think I think Will even says some of them went off to the Crusades and didn't come back. Mm-hmm. Just, you know. Like we assumed was the case with you. Exactly, yeah. I like that in the song that, that Will kind of sings, it's it's sort of a the legend of Robin Hood sort of thing. And, and, he, and that's where we get robin saying you know that we didn't do those things mm-hmm. you know and, and that's where i it first sort of hit me like oh is this a i mean i guess to com- what the the first comparison that comes to mind is the the dwayne johnson legend of hercules movie <laughs> where you know the whole idea is the legend of hercules is just that it's just a legend and it's like him and his friends are perpetuating these myths, you know, so that they can, you know, they're kind of just grifting town from town to town, you know, selling these uh, myths and, and legends and uh, getting by on that. So I didn't know with this, like, so what did they do? You know, what, what is he known for if, if the things that they're, he's, you know, known for doing didn't really happen, then that's why I kind of struggled with this at the start here. And especially when we meet the sheriff, it's like, so what did, th- what was their history like? What movie never really answers that. Um, I think we kind of pretty soon he's going to be an outlaw just like he was back then. And so now you, you get caught up in that and you don't really think too hard of like what the old days were like. Right. Um, cause I don't know if they robbed from the rich and stole from the poor, or I'm guessing they robbed from the rich. For sure. And maybe legendarily they gave to the poor. You know, maybe that's the stuff that's, you know, made up. I don't know. Well, but. For, to my thought is we, we see when they try and sneak into Nottingham, we see that he's afraid of being recognized by the townspeople. Yeah. And he bribes someone to leave him alone. Yeah. My guess is that was how they gave to the poor. You know, oh, maybe like, hey, you didn't see anything, right? <laughs> right. 
Um, and there's a little bit of threatening from and a little bit of bribery and you know people people forget like I mean we talk about like living in America in 2023 right what do we yeah. what do we remember about like the stuff after 9/11 what what do yeah. we actually remember about the culture and stuff or do we just have these vague feelings and ideas about what things were even in our day-to-day lives mm-hmm. so for these people you know they were like yeah, I do remember they gave me money. I, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because we, re- we remember what we want to. And especially right. when they're, like it shows, they're being taxed within inches of their lives. You know, that woman yeah. is screaming about, you know, he took my egg. Where am <laughs> yeah. I going to get another egg? Right. Like, it's a life or death matter. So that little bit even is like that self-preservation that doesn't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Makes you a he- makes them heroes to uh, to the regular people, even though they're not setting out to do that. Once again, because I'm looking at this primarily as the deconstruction of the myth. Sure. So it deconstructs it while validating what's behind it. Yeah. And I think that is one of the best examples of that. Um, how does the how does Robert Shaw's character as the sheriff of Nottingham? work for you i i love it uh i love how he plays it again because we're looking at a combination of deconstructing the robin hood mythology and you know this nostalgia for Mm. the robin hood you you remember previously the sheriff of nottingham in a lot of movies was kind of a joke Mm. yeah and prince john was the big bad or guy of gisburn was the big bad yeah. And so I love this idea of again going back to uh the the adventures of Robin Hood. I forget the name of the actor who played oh, the sheriff in that. Yeah. But he's he's very good, but he plays it in kind of this well-meaning dope. Yeah, he's an oaf. He's he's full of bluster. He's, you know, oh, if I was there, I would have stopped Robin and, you know, where were you, uh sheriff? And I think it's also very important that if you're looking at the, this is a continuation of that and a, a mm. demystification, that he's a very pompous man. Yeah. And very uh, prideful, boastful, uh, self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're thinking of the adventures of Robin Hood as the way people remember it, and this film is the reality, mm. well, then you have, well, no, he wasn't a pompous ass. He was just literate. You know, which he even brings that up. He's like, yeah, you know, they think I'm not dangerous because I know how to read. But really, Mm. they think I'm too dangerous to the power structure. Um, That's why they leave me here as the sheriff of this little nowhere. Yeah. And Mm. uh, I think Robert Shaw does a very good job portraying it. First of all, despite being English, Robert Shaw in his personal life hated uh, the English government and its power structure. As a matter of fact, sure. they couldn't shoot this film in England because uh, he would not pay taxes in England hmm. uh, because he did not want to support the the, the British uh, occupation right. of Ireland specifically. Okay, man. Yeah. Uh, so they had to film it in Spain. Everything was filmed in Spain. Yeah, yeah. It's odd to say that it has a Spanish feeling as far as like the landscapes and stuff, but I've seen enough. Oh, like spaghetti know. westerns and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen these landscapes before, and uh, you know certainly and other things like that. So 
Um, I was not surprised to to read that it was all shot in various uh, Spanish location locations. And, but that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think, he does a very good job of portraying a man who feels like he is bound by duty. Yeah, um, like he seems to actually like Robin Hood quite a bit, but be yeah, be yeah. very resent. There's a mutual respect yeah. there. He's resentful of the um, fact that they they have to be opposed to each other. Yeah, I think I I struggled with his his character initially because when we first meet him, you know, it, it's totally fine. He's you know commanding this uh, you know Nottingham Castle. He's he's overseeing you know his soldiers training and that sort of thing and then he gets called to to uh basically perform a duty and you know he he uh kind of gives the uh the, the guy that comes to meet him sir uh Ranulf, yeah you know and and he's being commanded by the king to come and and get the sheriff to to carry out this task of of what well, we'll learn is is arresting you know uh maid marion yeah you know, so there's he tells Sir Ranulf Ranulf that uh, that basically like puts kind of puts him in his place and and you know he's like you know you and I are on the same level like the king can command me you can't you know yeah that sort of thing when, so he'll come but not because he's you know, and it's it's again this goes back to <laughs> I um I enjoy uh, picking apart conspiracy theories myself oh, okay. in my free time. Uh, and so under English common law, which is what would have been in practice there, the county sheriff is the highest authority within his county. Okay. Um, which this feeds into contemporary sovereign citizen stuff that they believe that there's any, that's not important. But that's where that comes from. So he, he sure. is actually the lord of that land. Yeah. And so when... Uh, Sir Ranulf is there. Well, he has he's subordinate to the sheriff because that is the sheriff's land, and so long as the sheriff yeah. does not contradict the king's order, it stands. Yeah, and so that's that's a very interesting power dynamic to see play out, and to see Robert Shaw the way he plays that confidence to say no, and uh, the way he says it when he first meets or when Ranulf first shows up. He comes, he does what he's told, but he says, yeah. you are in my land, and in my land, you do not command, you ask. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's very important, it's very well stated, we know exactly what we're dealing with, with this Sheriff of Nottingham. Mm-hmm. He does so much better at being a legitimate threat, a serious character, mm. without, I don't want to say resorting to what Alan Rickman did, because Alan Rickman is doing his own thing in Prince <laughs> yeah. of Thieves. sure. But he doesn't make it that much of a cartoon in either direction. Yeah. Again, the whole film is about centering this story in some sort of, okay, well, not realism, but practicality. Yeah. I think, like, and this will kind of of jump ahead a little bit because I want to talk about the sheriff and, and the first couple of scenes we kind of get him in. Cause like here, this introduction is, is all fine. We, you know, we'll find out that he's, he's stern, he's tough, but he knows what he's doing. He challenges his men. He wins against two. And then we, he goes to, you know, the next time we see him, he's uh, dealing with, you know, Robin and Marion and, and trying to arrest Marion. And that goes poorly and he just lets Robin get away. 
and we'll talk about it. But um, you know, so that's kind of like first thing that happens. And then there's a scene a little bit later where Robin and little John come back to Nottingham and escape Nottingham. Yes. You know, with they they free Marion uh, or, or free some other uh, sisters, and I see that as just the sheriff kind of feels incompetent, you know, and based on who we've met as the sheriff before, it just doesn't feel like the same character. But then the second half of the movie, the sheriff is totally different there. He does have that, a uh, uh, very like he is Robin's nemesis, you mm-hmm. know? He, so I just thought the character overall was a little inconsistent, inconsistent. And I don't know, uh, at the start, I was just a little like, this is, I don't know, something's not working for me with the sheriff. I think in terms of the writing, you're correct. But I do feel like that Robert Shaw's performance kind of unifies these yeah. these two threads. And there's something, I think, that might not be written within the film, but that he he mm. brings out in his performance is that there's yeah, almost that. like a... Uh, there's almost a... Uh, like in The Dark Knight Returns graphic novel, how the Joker like kind of snaps out of this funk when he sees that... Batman is back. There's okay. almost something like that. Like this, this okay, yeah. kind of, uh, he, he rediscovers huh. himself. Yeah. Well, and I guess, yeah, to, to that point, it's like if Robin is, is back and he's going to be an outlaw again, now I, I can be back and I can be, have, I can have somebody to chase. I can have something, I, I can have a challenge again. You know, I, I like that idea. Um, he even says to Renolf, like, no one else is going to capture or kill Robin Hood. It's going to be me, you know? And yes. And there was definitely like, I, I did like the, I mean, Robert Shaw is great. You know, there's a lot of Red Grant, I think, in this performance that uh, is his mm-hmm. character from uh, from Russia with Love, like just a, an intensity that's there. That's not there in with like, it's, it is kind of there with uh, with Quint from Jaws. But yeah, there's. I don't think Robert Shaw cannot be intense. You know, I think he brings that to yeah. any role. You know, well, it's like have you seen A Man for All Seasons? No, I just there was some other movie with Robert Shaw. I just saw. I can't now. I can't remember what it was. He he was in that briefly uh, as King Henry the Second okay. or the Eighth. I'm sorry, hmm. and he is incredible. He's like because Henry the Second's position in that store or the eighth <laughs> i'm still think, i'm still thinking robin hood so, so henry the second oh, sure. you know and anyway um as henry the eighth he has this like joyful bombasticness mm. that turns off okay and he's just like now now that we've had our fun mm. you're gonna do what i want you to right. thomas more you know like this is this is what we did, and this is what we're gonna do now. <laughs> uh, and so he he does that yeah. very very well here. He, it's just he never he never he just the, the intensity yeah. and the the almost like he's so bored <laughs> at the beginning yeah yeah and it's that that vibrance mm-hmm. that he gets in the second half of the film. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Maid Marian, Robin, and and John and. Will Scarlet and Friar Tuck, they're sitting around and, you know, shooting the shit. And they, somehow Marion, Marion comes up in conversation and, and Robin's like, oh, I haven't thought of her in, you know, almost 20 years. 
And so they decide to set off to, they're headed to Barnsdale because that's just kind of where they're, they figured they'll, they'll, you know, set out to. That's, that's Hang where, out, yeah. uh, uh, there is a good scene there with, uh, little John talks about going to see his dad who's in Barnsdale. Yeah, his dad and, in Barnsdale. Oh, your dad's dead. It's like, oh. He wouldn't have recognized me. Yeah, anymore. yeah. That was, that's a really good moment. But yeah, they're, so they ride out and it's, it's like, oh, well, are they talking about going to see Marion? And I forget where they, set out to uh, Kirkley Kirkley. Thank you. And they're like, well, that's not where Maid Marian is. She's right there at the, at the Abbey. And, uh, Robin is like, well, why would she be at the Abbey? You know? <laughs> and then this, it kind of like sets, you know, autumn. And it's just like almost the disgust in his voice of the idea that, uh, Maid Marian might be, uh, might be a nun. Uh, it's really fun. Well, and then she's the prioress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he gets yeah. there. He's, he says, "Why are you wearing that costume? Yeah, yeah. What, what are you doing in that costume?" He says, "I'm living in it." Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we meet uh, Marion, and yeah, she's the the head of this uh, abbey, and she's kind of nursing someone, you know, in, in a sick bed, and then just Robin just you know strides up manfully and like. You know, just shouting, just, uh, Marion, come out, you know, that sort of thing. And she gets a look at who it is. And, um, I like their kind of first meeting yeah. and, you know, and then we find out that like she's, she's a wanted woman, you know, she's uh, not going to be here very long. She's got a, um, not a, not a bounty on her head, but just, uh, she's, well, she's in, in aware way, that she's being, yeah. going to be arrested. There's uh, a... So this is another historical fact. Yeah. When King John took over from Richard, he felt that the clergy in England were too loyal yeah, to, to the Pope. To, yeah, to the Pope. And so he basically did a swap with uh, <laughs> the King of France for their bishops and abbots and abbesses. And an abbess, by the way, is the same as an abbot. In terms of, I, I was a monk, by the way. Oh wow! For a little bit. So an an abbot or an abbess, they are roughly equivalent to a bishop in the Roman Catholic hierarchy. Uh, so Marian is basically as far as a woman can progress. Okay. In this society, hmm. she would have, you know, very much the same kind of authority in her abbey. Yeah. As uh, the sheriff talks about in his county. Okay. So she's she is giving up a lot in agreeing to be taken. Yeah. Because if she just went, as they're they're telling her, then she would have the same be the same role at some abbey in France. Mm. But she's willing to go to prison over this because she wants to be there. She has that same thing that Robin talks about a little bit, the the tie to the people and the land. Mm-hmm. It was I had a, I kind of struggled with this, with meeting Marion like this. And at first I was wary that they just wanted to make her a nun so that Robin could come back and, you know, win her back sort of thing. I thought maybe, mm-hmm. are they just writing her as this devout, chaste, you know, woman so that Robin can, you know, almost like a James Bond thing. Like, yeah. you know, the only man who could you know, turn her away from God is, of course, you know, James Bond, Robin Hood, you know, something like that. I was a little worried that that's what they were doing. But then you find out, like, 
there's a lot more to this Marion character that I wasn't expecting. I didn't think that I didn't I had no clue that they were going to go the places that they kind of go with her character and just how deep of a character she really is. I I was kind of blown away. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this is Robin and Marion. Like this is, is a movie about these two characters. It's yes. not just, you know, I think at this point I was a little like, oh, yeah, this is just a Robin Hood movie, you know. So it's like once they sort of get back together, it's like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, there's a reason that we're building a, you know, this relationship and why it's so important and, and what, you know, that they both have 20 years of history that, uh, that they need to learn about each other. So, yeah. Um, well, and, and then of course she's played by Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. Who I think had not been in a movie for almost 10 years. Yeah. I read so, uh, eight year. She came out of an eight year retirement or absence from, from acting for this. So I, I feel like, you know, going in, you, you would have to expect there to be something to this role to bring her out of retirement. Yeah. And I, she, she's, she's wonderful. She's, she has this, this very visible strength, I think, in her characterization of Marion. Yeah. That, uh, you know, that there's, there's a lot of meat on those bones for an actor to, to come to. For sure. Yeah. And one of them, I think, come like so. Just to back up a little bit. Um, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I'm was about to get ahead of myself, and I thought maybe we'll talk about what's going on here in the kind of this area of the movie. But you know, Robin comes in and he finds out all of this stuff that she's going to be taken away, and like he just kind of won't stand for it. You know, it's like she's determined to sort of go with this. You know, it's it's her choice to to go along with being arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, She's determined to go through with it, and Robin just won't have it. You know, he just, he's determined to save her, right. even though she doesn't want to be saved here, you know. So um, when the sheriff and Sir Renolf show up, like, he, it's so odd, you know, that that how it plays out, because it's like, well, you're kind of, you're, you're outmanned here, Robin, but he just... Know, takes Marion, throws her on a horse. Uh, there's a great yeah. bit of comedy there where he's like, "Well, she's she's not here," and he yes. turns to leave, <laughs> and, and she walks. Yeah, yeah, passes <laughs> that. That was great. Um, but yeah, he so he knocks her out after like she's fighting to to go with the sheriff and and these men, and right. you know, again, he won't have it. But it, it was that was a, one of those odd moments. It was it was like. How are how are you guys letting this guy get away? You know, because um, he just rides off. Like, and and the sheriff is there. Like, well, I'll get you someday, Robin, <laughs> or something like that. Like, it's just very yeah. like, just go get him right now. You have got some men with you. It's like you're not. He's not really even armed. Like, just uh, that was something that was strange. Well, I um, the, what I think about that is again, one, you have this this the sheriff needs to wake up. Mm, That's yeah, the other he's not thing. Quite, yeah, and. Then you also have, he's dealt with him so long, he knows that the worst position to put Robin Hood into is to have to Chase. think on his feet. Think yeah, on his feet, okay. yeah, chase yeah. him. You're not going to win that. Okay, yeah. And we even see that in the final battle when it looks yeah. like, well, this is over. Mm. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair, yeah. We uh, we settle into Sherwood and... and <laughs> You know, Marion's kind of not waking up, but it's like she's kind of coming around from, you know, she's holding her jaw from where, where Robin hit her. Um, 
And we get this beautiful scene between Robin and Marion mm-hmm. and like he shares with her sort some of the horrors that uh he was went through with the during the crusades and um talking about why that situation influenced you know the, this situation that happened as we saw in the opening of the movie in France and you know that that back then the king wanted you know this he wanted them to basically do the same thing and you know siege a a a hold and and they did it so yeah he wouldn't do that again so mm-hmm. but it's, it's a great performance from connery and and audrey hepburn so they both do it such a great job yeah um, and you feel a, a real uh, this is the testament to their abilities as actors uh you feel this very real like longing for each mm-hmm. other this connection yeah um, that is, it's palpable. There's, you can tell from the, just from the performances again, that he knows he messed up. Sure. And he misses her. And that she knows better, just in general, <laughs> knows better. But she yeah. loves him. Yeah, and, but she does, she does talk about like, oh, I, I thought I loved you. And then she talks about, she didn't really love him. She learned later she didn't love him because what she loves is she loves her life. She loves, you know, what the work she's been doing. She found her love of, of God, you know, af- after when he was out of her life. And and so, you know, she does a few times, I think, say like, well, what we had was wasn't really like, right. It's sort of better left as a memory. I got that sort of impression. And um, so that's a hard, I think, hard thing to come back from. Like the movie has to work extra hard to make make this relationship spark up again. You know, if if that's where you're starting, where it's like, I don't love you. I love God. You know, I and I and, and well, it, I can't have both things, you know, that's so important from again, from the writing perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the movie's meta-commentary, once again, on uh, the, the legend of Robin Hood versus what the reality probably looked like. Yeah. And in terms of what that sets up, that's, again, just a brilliant little piece of writing mm. that you are, uh, I, I don't love you. Get away from me. Yeah. Take me and, back. Take me, you know, back to where I'm supposed to be and... Which is what they plan to do in the morning, you know, after mm-hmm. everyone gets up, and and um, great little scene of everyone w- the camp waking up. You yes, know. Um, there's a moment where you can tell that Robin forgets that he's in the presence of a lady. You know, he's just like doing all of his gross bodily functions in the morning, and he's yeah. about to like, I think, lift up his uh, tunic. You know, and it's like he sees her, it's like, oh, <laughs> I guess I won't do that. Um, yeah. But no, it's it's just a fun. <laughs> bit of uh like you said earlier just the mundanity of of like this is real life you know um but they uh they set out you know he's gonna take her back to her her abbey and they find out that like everyone's been taken yeah i think there's one person left um and she just ran faster (laughs) yeah yeah um they find out that that everyone was been taken you know to to nottingham and uh so i think that's when they they Kind of hatch a plan, you know. He, uh, Robin leaves Marion there or tries to. She's determined, like she's gonna go as well, like even mm-hmm. if she has to walk. But 
Um, so Robin and, and John set out and yeah, they, they ride past a guy in a cart and they, they double back on, on him, you know, essentially rob him of his, of his cart. But then, yeah, they, they start to drive off and then one of them chucks a little bag of, you know, money at him. So yeah, yeah they're not, they're not outright thieves. <laughs> Um, we bought it from you against your will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and this, you know, this is, <laughs> it's funny. Like I was watching this, like you, you've got these guys disguised as, as these, you know, uh, pots and pans, uh, sellers and there's tinkers they're tink. Yeah. <laughs> and so they ride up, they've got their original horses are lashed you know, to the back of the cart. The, the cart itself is being pulled by one horse. And I thought, that's going to look uh, maybe a little suspicious. And that's... Uh, that's exactly what... That's, that's what the, where the sheriff wakes up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. He because knows that uh, Robin, that they'll see him again. It's like the sheriff does a lot of, I'm going to sit and wait. Mm-hmm. Like that's... You know, he's he's very much that sort of um, character in this. And he's totally right. Because, yeah, Robin... He knows that Robin's going to come for these, uh, these nuns that they've... Uh, sort of captured. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's totally right. He just has to wait for him. And, and which drives the uh, Sir Ranulf, you know, crazy because he wants to ride out to the right. forest, you know, and the sheriff knows like you are not going to have any luck if you go uh, into that is, forest looking for trouble. This is a game. Yeah. And that is what he wants, how he wants you to play. Yeah. And yeah. you need to play a different but, way with yeah. Uh, yeah. Um so yeah they ride up and then that's a dead the the cart the, the single horse drawn cart with two extra horses in the back is a dead giveaway for uh for the sheriff which was a little disappointing. I I kind of thought, you know, I, I wish that this Robin may may have outsmarted him there by, you know, let's leave our horses tied up outside or something. Um cuz that while you know, if if I can notice that then i think you know then then it feels maybe a little obvious um but but well and then we that, that's something you have to come back to yeah of you know how much of his own mythology does robin buy fair yeah and yeah. how much does he think he we know he thinks renolf's an oaf he says yeah, so right. yeah in those exact words multiple times into his face yeah um but how much does he remember of the the sheriff's actual personality? And how much does he use like, well, I'm just smarter than this guy, so I don't <laughs> yeah. care. I like that uh, these two actors are um, opposed to each other again. You know, like I said, mm-hmm. from, from Russia with Love, like that was a different type of, you know, hero and, and antagonist, protagonist, antagonist. Um, it's a little bit different here, but I, I like these two against each other. So there's plenty more of that like throughout the rest of the movie. And, but this is uh, like I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, we, we get, um, they show up at this, uh, at, at Nottingham, they start to set up, you know, shop. Uh, they're kind of going through the motions of like, well, let's just pretend that we're here to sell these pots and pans. And, you yeah. know, that, that gets them <laughs> into some trouble with the locals, you know, um, this old guy's like, I know you, don't I, you know, um, that's kind of setting, you know, uh, so that's my table. planting seeds, yeah. you know, for, for later, uh, with this guy, uh, specifically. 
And uh, um, so they they spot that you know these nuns are over here. I think uh, I think the sheriff has his men like actually parade the nuns outside. Like, hey, let's uh, yes, because he spotted the the cart and uh, he spotted Robin already. He knows he's here. Um, he's baiting. He's baiting him out. Yeah, which so is the uh, let, the entire side of it for the sheriff is baiting Robin Hood out. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part about this aspect, this scene in the movie, before it gets to the action scene, is to try and distract the guards and get the nuns into their cart. Yeah. They act like they're selling the nuns <laughs> the pots and pans. And yeah. they say, oh, we can't buy anything. We're prisoners. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but why don't you come over here and... It's, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It, that that got a, a good chuckle out of me. Yeah. I like that there's a... It feels like there's a running thing with Robin Hood stories in general where when it comes to, like, Robin needs to come to point A and free someone, uh, Marion or his man or whatever, whoever. I think most Robin Hood stories, it feels like... We always know there's going to be a trap. Most of the time, they're, you know, they're the sheriff, the prince, you know, whoever is aware that it's Robin. I'm thinking of like the archery contest and the animated one. They all know that the, the stork is really uh, Robin. Um, yeah. Th- same thing with uh, the Legend of Robin Hood. They kind of, at a certain point, they know that um, it's Robin in, there's like, uh, I'm thinking of the TV, the, the ITV series he pretends to be an old man archer in that contest but um it's just a several robin hood stories where there's always kind of one uh ad- part of the adventure where it's like we know it's you we're trying to catch you we've set a trap for you but then you still manage to you know sneak out of the trap mm-hmm. um and that's this this sequence is kind of no different from that i mean it's it goes a little you know it, it uh the plan doesn't go off without a hitch necessarily, but you know, they get the, the nuns in the cart, they start to, they get them away. And then in the process of trying to escape, they get, you know, the, um, they get separated by this, uh, uh, portcullis that comes down. So they have to Mm -hmm. now climb this wall and it kind of spends a, a, a decent amount of time, like watching these, two old men climb a wall and just huff and, you know, yeah. like struggle with, with climbing this wall. And, and I had to look up like, how old is uh, Sean Connery at this moment? Uh, he's, he's only 45, yeah. <laughs> probably 44 when they were filming, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, they really sell that. It's like, this is tougher than it used to be, you know? So it, well, it's a fun, fun escape sequence. Yes. It's a very fun sequence. It's a little, it's a little painful. It's a little, mm. and I mean this in terms like it was made successfully. You you yeah. want this scene to be painful, and what's the most interesting thing about it to me is when Robin and John get back to Sherwood. Mm. He tells Marion, "Did you see me? I'm back." <laughs> yeah. Like, but it's once again very much what has he actually done versus how is he perceiving it sure because this was a a painful you know drawn out escape right well i but, love that they finally make it like 
up to the top of the wall and then like they get over and there's just a guy there with you know almost waiting for him not like he's not standing there waiting for them but as soon as they get over the wall it's like it's not very long before someone is just immediately on them and they're just yeah. like, god damn it <laughs> you know um and that was like as i was watching it and just seeing the way the the sheriff is just kind of like motioning to his men like okay let's close this uh let's close this net, you know? And then Renolf says something about like, where are your crossbow men? And he's like, Oh yeah, let's, let's get them out here too. And it's like, I was a little like, we, we learned that the sheriff is by opening up his first scene with like him fighting two of his men. That leads me to think he's very, you know, he's very skilled at training his men. He's very skilled at battle. So then to have this scene where it's like he's just kind of observing everything. He's not super into trying to actively catch Robin. He's not, you know, his men aren't there. Like He's not, they're not swarmed by men. And they're not like, you know, people aren't shooting crossbows left and right at them. So it's it feels a little like, and you guys were expecting him too. That's, yeah. you know. Well, I think, okay. I think. So kind of a counterpoint to, you know, he he's very good at training his men. Yeah. He himself is a very skilled yeah. combatant, but he is not good at training his men. Mm. And he says that. He says, I could have and should have trained you all better. Mm. So I think he probably doesn't have faith in his men. And how many times has this played out? How yeah. How many times has he done this? You know, over and over and over. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay. He's still waking up. Yeah. I think I think that's the problem I had with Robert Shaw as the sheriff. So I don't buy that he would be the type that would fail at catching Robin time and time again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he's too that's just an actor problem I, I have with this character, I think. I don't buy that he would be that he would fail time and time again. Um, because the actor is just too he plays characters too well you know it's like he i don't does that ever happen like as far as like you you can't buy a character failing because the actor's too good like, i don't know if that i can make sense can, no that makes sense that the two the two uh kind of modes of the sheriff in the film feel like they would have been different characters almost yeah and it it generally works if you're not watching too closely because of Robert Shaw's performance. Yeah. Bringing that consistency of this kind of, what's the word I'm looking, not cynical, mm. uh, like he's he's a realist. Yeah, yeah. And I think having that thread being consistent through the performance generally covers up this this huge split yeah. between the two halves of the film. But this is one of the scenes where that's actually detrimental to the overall. Yeah, I think it gets for me, you know, my problem with uh, the sheriff goes away quickly after this. It was just, you know, the, these first couple beats of seeing him as as this, like, I don't know, just kind of struggled yeah. with it, like I said. But uh, I think it, it, as far as the character, I I. I'm into him more in the like the second half of the movie, mm-hmm. which uh, we're getting to in the chronology. Yeah, now. there's a sequence where uh, Renolf decides he's going to go after Robin. You know, um, 
and the sheriff kind of knows like, well, that's your funeral, you know, but the, the ridiculousness of Renolf gearing up for this chase, he puts on this pot belly stove on his head, you know, this giant helmet that he puts on and Renolf already has like this awesome uh, chain mail that he wears. Um, <laughs> he already looks cool as hell. And then he just puts this massive helmet on. It looks so stupid. Especially if you you consider like as soon as he puts it on, he's limited, uh, you know, his, his movements, his his visibility. It's like, why would you put that on now and then go ride, you know, 20 miles or whatever yeah. it is to to chase them? Put it on when you're there, you know, put it on when you get to the edge of Sherwood Forest. But that made me laugh. Um, yeah. But we do get uh, like Robin, you know, his his men, they all get to Sherwood and tells his his men to kind of get set up, you know, go get into places, and then we've got the the ladies in the in the cart. They are arriving, and there's a bit where they try to cross a river, and you know that goes poorly. So mm-hmm. it's this fun beat where they've got to fish all the women out of the the little stream that they're <laughs> in. Um, and she she and never that, was a good driver. Yeah, lady drivers, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> I think the movie's saying that. <laughs> yes, probably. And, and it's like here we have this odd, quiet moment where most of the women and and Tuck and maybe uh, John are like on one bank with the the three sisters, and then Robin and Marion are on the opposite bank, mm-hmm. and they have this odd little moment where it's like this is where kind of where the romance gets rekindled a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then, like, they almost, you know, kiss, and at a certain point, she opens up to him about when he left, she tried to commit suicide. Yes. You know, I didn't see this coming. Um, I think I'm just, I, I've, you know, with older movies like this, I have to remind myself, like, oh, yeah, older movies dealt with serious topics. You know, it's not all just, yeah, so that was a surprise. And that that sort of... Without going too far into it, it kind of went into that area I was worried about them taking this character as far mm-hmm. as like, well, if he's not in my life, what's worth what, you know, life isn't worth living. So I'll, you know, my, her options, I, I guess, were kill myself or then, you know, become a, a nun, which we then learn like she tried to kill herself and then someone found her and took, took her, her to, to the, the Abbey, to the Abbey. And that's what like led her, you know, ultimately to um, join that lifestyle. And like, so I don't think this movie is doing that where it's like, well, without this man in her life, she has nothing, but, you know, but no. that's what I was worried about. No. Well, and it's, it's clear that she felt that and then found something fulfilling. Yeah. And I think what we come back to uh, with when she says, I, I, I didn't love you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lie. Yeah. And it is how uh, she convin- is trying to convince herself that she's she's okay. And it's not that she needs him. It really is just that she loves him. Yeah. And so this is so important that she found something fulfilling. She found something uh, to do with herself that she was proud of. Yeah. But that doesn't change. Just like with, with Robin, it doesn't change the fact that he loved her. Or that she loved him. Yeah, and then we get a scene uh, slightly later in the forest when they're, I think that's nighttime, and they're kind of, she 
struggles with her identity. You know, mm-hmm. am I am I Marion who is in love with Robin, or am I uh, Mother, Mother Janet. Janet? You know, who serves God? You know, it's just this this character has like this crisis, you know, sort of thing that she's dealing with. So mm-hmm. yeah, all no, of this really really works, and but really surprised me. You know. Um, especially from a movie that I, at the start of it, I thought, is this a comedy? You know, like it's slapsticky, slapsticky and goofy enough. Like, I don't know what this is going to be. And then you get scenes like this and it's, and it's there's beautiful moments with her and, and uh, Robin. Uh, well, you know, the, the writer of this, uh, James Goldman, is probably most famous for, he wrote the play, The Lion in Winter. Okay. Which is about the last, uh, the last days of Henry II. Hmm. Um, and it is very much a, uh, kind of a, a tit for tat between Henry II and Eleanor of Aquitaine. Okay. And it's very much an exploration, a fictional one, of their relationship. Uh, Peter O'Toole plays Henry II and Catherine, mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn. I was confused for a second. I was like, did Audrey mm-hmm. Hepburn, was Audrey Hepburn in that? No, she, it was Catherine Hepburn. But there, so there is a thread in, in throughout his work of of this sort of complicated relationship yeah being explored uh and again having i'm married now but i was a monk right yeah i I think i brought that up earlier that was something that resounded with me quite a bit because Mm. having to to uh have my faith change yeah so drastically my role be so different from Mm what it had been previously because sure. I was in love with someone that that hit that hit me I bet man now that's that's amazing I don't even I don't want, <laughs> I don't have a good segue to talk about <laughs> Robin and uh his men you know attacking these knights that come in the forest but well it's um, a delightful scene it's very yeah 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 no it, it is good like uh to see that that these men of the woods still kind of have it you know they're Sneaking it around and and dispatching uh, Renolf's men, almost I mean pretty silently. Some of them very savagely, mm-hmm. as far as like where they're getting hit with arrows. And but no, it's a good sequence. And then Robin has a face to face with Renolf and just lets him go. You know, tells him to get out of his forest, leave him. You know, all he wants is to live here. That that yeah. the forest is his. And and that's a great scene because one of the things uh, functionally. It feels like the sheriff and Robin would have contented, been content to go back to playing their old game. Right. We kind of keep to ourselves. You know, you have the, the forest. I have Nottingham. We'll, you know. You know, our paths will cross. We'll clash every right. now and then. But yeah, that's okay. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's very important that we have this outside force in Renolf. Yeah. Wonder why they didn't just make him Guy Gisborne or you know some some familiar character who well, would work as. I I do think that there is an aspect of it that is you're treating him like a Guy of Gisborne. Yeah. Um, and again, I think culturally everyone knows Robin Hood kills Guy of Gisborne. Like sure, that is he should be dead already at this point. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, everyone would think people with the passing familiarity, say with yeah. the Arrow Flynn movie or whatever, they're like, "Oh, but didn't he kill Basil Rathbone? Isn't that what?" That's true. Yeah, happened? yeah. Um, 
So I, I think that's part of it. Could be, yeah. And in the, the myth, in the stories, the legends of Robin Hood, especially the more sanitized ones, like Howard Pyle, I love yes. his, his, his book of it, but Guy of Gisborne is the only person Robin kills in that yeah. book. Savagely, too. Yes. He cuts, cuts his off head his off head and, and leaves yeah. it on a pike outside of Sherwood. Yeah. Um, so I think that is, it's very important that it's not Guy of Gisborne. Yeah, that's fair. But um, I'm, I mean, I'm putting my motivations into the filmmakers' yeah. heads, and I don't know what they actually thought. Yeah. And then we have Ian Holm shows up in a movie, in a different movie. He yes. is not. He is not in a Robin Hood movie. He is in something else. Um, this this sequence was a bit of a surprise to me. Like Renolf comes to to. King John, played by Ian Holm, mm-hmm. uh, requesting, you know, 200 men. And the, he, the Prince John we get is, he's just like lording over his little, uh, I don't even know where they're at. They're camped out somewhere. And <laughs> he's like, some woman comes out of the tent, you know, half naked. And she's like, you know, Jack, when are you going to show me the paintings? You know, it's just this, you know, she flirts with him and he instantly is like okay i got work to do so he starts basically getting stripped so that he can go to work and Mm -hmm. uh and gives you know i I don't know if it's said here but we obviously find out that ranulf gets his 200 men because he basically uses well if this robin you know he's already challenging the sheriff what's to stop him from challenging you know yeah the king so yeah but this this performance it, it's just so fun and weird but it doesn't feel like part of this movie i think that's what i love about it i don't know it's it's uh <laughs> it's so odd that so that i think there's a there's a broader trend in in movies of this era that deal mm. with you know the kind of life and death struggles of the the everyday person and the separation of the royals. Have you have you heard of the movie The Devils? No. That is a. I think it's from the same year, 1976. Excuse me. You're going to hear a lot of pounding on my keyboard. <laughs> uh, yeah, same year, 76. Oh no, I'm sorry. Much earlier, 1971. Uh, directed by Ken Russell. So he was kind of an artsy, fartsy exploitation movie guy. He made Tommy. Uh, for the oh. who okay so it's a movie about the historical uh siege of uh Ludon. okay oh yeah cardinal richie lou uh yeah yeah all that and the the king of france at that time uh, uh louis the louis the 13th louis the 13th he is a character in the film and he mm-hmm. is you know giving richie lou his blessing for all these things as they happen but he's very rarely involved. Yeah. And the two scenes he's in, he is... One of them, he's hunting humans for sport. He's got them dressed like animals and releasing uh. them from gates and shooting at them. Yeah. Um, and in the other, he is wearing a mask at a mass exorcism and making suggestions to the exorcist to enrage the crowd around him further. So it's it's very to my mind this was the it connected to that you know it's okay yeah where where focus he his focus is not at 
this is all entertainment to him. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter that much. Yeah. And that's that's what uh that's what I got from that. Okay. I'm glad the scene's here and it's like I thought about it later. Like I thought then Prince John was going to be a big part of this movie or King John. I mean, he's referenced many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought his I thought Ian Holm was going to be in this movie quite a bit. This oh, is the only scene, yeah. you know, and by the end of it I was like, "Man, that makes that one scene with him even weirder because it's just this one standalone kind of moment with him and he just he's this weird little man who you know issues orders and and goes and gets laid you know um well because well you know what for someone in robin hood's position of life at that time in history that's what the king would have been yeah totally yeah yeah and uh i think that's yeah that's yeah that's it well and you know there's the scene when they're catching up and he's like, what's going on with, with John, with Prince John, King John. Yeah. And I think it's uh Denholm Elliott's character is mm-hmm. like, you know, they say his wife is like 15 and all he does is fuck her. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all he does. He's not a factor in any of this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, that's very interesting. And I, I, Again, like with that scene in The Devils with Louis Thirteenth, just this complete disconnect from anything else is... That's the point of the scene, I yeah. feel. I feel like. Or at least that's what I took from it. Yeah, right on. It transitions kind of into... The, the tone shifts a little bit. Everyone's like gearing up for war. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the uh, sheriff, like he kind of does this... He has this moment of solitude in his chamber where i don't even know if he's praying to god it's just he's kneeling in his full suit of armor kind of looks like he's in a church but i think it's just his this part of nottingham but it has that vibe of like he's like maybe he just finished praying you know Mm -hmm. asking for god you know for asking for help to like let me let me kill this man you know and then he sets out and we get not a montage, but just like people in the forest in the forest, like uh, Robin's like he's been gaining numbers, you know, yeah. um, people inspired uh, like in the old days, like people have, have returned to Sherwood to, you know, to get away from the tyranny, I guess, of, of Sheriff and, and King John and mm-hmm. all of that. And so there's like kind of this. I guess an overwhelming sense that like both sides are sort of gearing up for battle. Yes. Um, the one side, you know, with the sheriff and Renolf, like they're just literally marching men to the, to the forest. And then in the forest, you have people, um, I thought it was interesting. Like the, a lot of, it seemed like a lot of the women were using, you know, the, the vegetable dyes and trying to mm-hmm. make green dye, you know, so that all these men can be cloaked in green so that they're, you know, more camouflaged. Yes. Like that was, that was a nice little interesting thing. And, and, um, Robin is, is showing them, you know, sort of how to, how to attack a man, uh, with a knife. And, and cause these aren't, I think they're, they're, uh, Will might be showing him kind of how to shoot a bow, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, they're just kind of gearing up a little bit of a, a montage of them getting ready to fight. And, uh, like I said, kind of a tone shift for this part of the movie. It's like we're kind of getting ready to for some, you know, shit's, shit's about to go down. Yeah. 
and I, I really like this this part of the movie because this this is where all the cards are on the table for yeah. everybody. The sheriff and Renolf. Yeah. You know, they're like, what is their goal here? Each of mm-hmm. them. This is where they talk about that. And then you have the devastating conversation between uh, Ro- uh, John and Marion. Yeah. Oh, like, it's, and you have several conversations throughout. I, w- I need to go back a bit to when they first come back to Sherwood with the nuns and the cart and everything. Mm. Where. Uh, Marion asks him, well, why did you go? And he just says, because he was my king. Hmm. You know, and that's, again, foreshadowing. Robin has kind of, in this narrative, taken this the role uh, of Richard. Hmm. And now Marion is in Robin's... uh, Marion and John are both in Robin's position. Right. Uh, And that, well, he's... Little John says he can't go against him because he said... First he says, I would be nothing without him. Mm. And then it almost feels like he doesn't even believe that. And he says, we've always done things together. Yeah, yeah. And that's... Maybe the first time John has even thought about questioning kind of what what Robin was planning or what he wanted to do. It's like it's never been an issue where he didn't side with Robin instantly. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, now is like the first time where he's like, man, I don't know. Do we want to try to challenge the king and the sheriff and, you know, go do this again? Like, we're not young yeah. men, you know. Um, this, all this, like, prelude to war stuff is really, really good. Um, there's a moment with with uh, Robin and Marion, and I think they're talking about, you know, the... Like he's kind of excited about this, like getting back into this mm-hmm. life of of adventure, more or less. You know? Well, like, yeah. Again, he feels like after the the escape that he's mm-hmm. he's back to being, you know, Robin Hood. Yeah, whatever yeah. that means. And we kind of know she's not on board for this. You know, this mm-hmm. is not the she's committed to being with him now, but not if it's you know to go to this route again. You know, he gets uh, we get the moment with with her and uh and john and it's kind of a like promise me you know you'll take care of him and and you know have his back and don't let him you know get hurt and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and um and then we they there's a few times they cut back to the camp or uh, the the soldiers camp mm-hmm. and uh the sheriff is just waiting you know he's eating pears you know and this is where it's like okay i like that i like this uh the sheriff that just waits and yeah. isn't going after Robin. He's just eating pears, you know, and he's oh, like, these pears are delicious, you know. He he knows and, how it goes. Yeah, yeah. And Ranolf is just beside himself of like, why aren't we just burning down the forest? Like, let's go after this guy, you know. But nope, sheriff is just like, we'll just wait here. He's coming. He's coming to us. Well, it's it going to be fine. He, because he you knows know? that's what Robin wants. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, is this? I mean, this is a uh, this is midlife crisis, Robin Hood. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like Robin is spoiling for a fight. You know, mm-hmm. and and he falls into, I guess, the sheriff's trap here. He he makes the first move of uh, the four of them like ride out of the forest on on horseback, and <laughs> like this, they get like right up on these uh, four centri- <laughs> sentries on uh, horseback who are poorly protecting the perimeter. 
and yes. they just you know ride up on them. The, the, all of them ride, you know, escape and then or you know run away, and they they kill. I think two of them. Um, two of the the soldiers make it back to camp, and then I forget if this is is this where they ride out and meet, and they have the um, no, they they run back. Okay, they go they ride back into Sherwood, and uh, they're like, are they coming? Are they coming? No. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the this was Robin testing the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not going to come in after us, we'll ride out and make you chase us into right. the forest. Because obviously Robin wants a fight. Well, Robin and his men want a fight um, in the forest where they have the advantage. Right. I guess what Robin really wants is kind of just, he just wants, you know, glorious combat kind of with uh, mm-hmm. his old enemy and yeah the sheriff knows like i don't have to give robin what he wants he's gonna be itching to fight and he's gonna try to take us on so and he's right you know um well and so what winds up happening you know robin little john ride out basically to yeah discuss terms yeah and they settle on champions Mm. and uh my this is one of my favorite parts especially for robert shaw's performance he goes he says that uh you know, uh, why would I do that? Because I'm I'm at the advantage here. Yeah. You're either trapped in there because I'm not going in, or you're facing me on an open field. And he goes, well, I'll be one of the champions. Mm-hmm. And he, he gets this look on his face like, oh, well, I can't say no to yeah. that. I can't. I can't. I gotta do it. Let's do this. And uh, I just love that. I love the way that works. Yeah, and we get what I was... I wasn't expecting this movie to kind of kind of come down to, you know, a fight between these these two kind of older men. Like I just I assumed they'd fight, but not just this is it. This is the big battle. It's just going to be these two men just hurling heavy weapons at each other, you know, oh, man, while it's... stumbling around and and struggling and it's god, it's so much better than uh a big epic fight, you know? I mean, because it just it plays so it's... like like you've been saying, like there's, it's more, it feels more real. It's slow and it's brutal. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know if, uh, if you've been to Renaissance fairs or anything and seen One. Yeah, yeah. These, these battle recreations, mm. that's how it is. And I, if you've ever picked yeah. up an actual long, a uh, broadsword, mm. things are like 20 pounds. Like yeah. you, you move slow with that. And the, yeah. Just, and then they have the the axe, the axes and the sword, mm-hmm. and it's a wonderfully choreographed and performed fight, and it's very brutal. Like every hit stings. Every yeah. And then when you get that last uh, that last shot from the sheriff up up into Robin's side, and the, they show it for just a mm-hmm. second. Oh yeah. God damn, that's. I think damn. my. <laughs> favorite thing of this is they they meet up for battle they square off and then they kneel together Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then there's this one little touch where robin stands up first and he puts his arm on the sheriff's uh, elbow just to help him up like there's so much respect here you know it's so like well like i mean this is what they've both always wanted, and they're going to exactly. do it right. Yeah. They're yeah. going to do it right. It's like if this was Game of Thrones, one of them would have just, the second the other was, you know, uh, 
on his knees, he'd just reach over and, you know, stab him and kill, you know, but it's like, that's not what they're doing here. They want it to be. This is a fair fight. This is fair fight. Yeah. 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 Um, Cause if you think about it again, like as a sequel to, as a, a realistic demystifying sequel to adventures of Robin Hood, the sheriff and Robin never faced off in that. Right. One. Yeah. And so it's very important that they do so here because this is, well, you know, we've matched wits, we've matched men, but we have not gone head to head. Yeah. And it's important now that this is this is the end for one of us. There's right. no depending on who wins, there's no way out for the other. Yeah. So, and yeah. uh this is the the thing that we really see who Robin Hood is mm-hmm. and why maybe the sheriff was hesitant to catch him when Robin was expecting maybe mm-hmm. to be captured is because for all it's over robin won't yield but he has right. you know his guts hanging out basically yeah. yeah and the sheriff is like well i guess this is done and then robin jumps up and stabs him in the stomach mm-hmm. brings him to the ground yeah I, and I, just and then I love when, it. one at one point the sheriff has to cut the uh the axe that he's wielding like the the leather strap that's holding it to his arm because his arm is now basically useless. He's mm-hmm. uh, Robin's wounded him in the arm, his left arm, yeah. And like he's there's just hacking each other to pieces, you know, basically. And um, yeah, it, but Robin gets in that lo- one last like he gets that burst of of energy or will, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and gets the last moment, and they're they're there with each other. And then I, I love the fallout after mm. that. Yeah, of course, Renolf isn't going to keep his word to to not pursue uh, the men into the forest or whatever. And we, we have the... Uh, they chase them into the, into the mm. forest, and we don't really see how it goes, and that's kind of immaterial. I guess it was... That was pretty frustrating for me because I was like... I was invested enough in... You know, Will and Tuck and and this sort of uh, group that they've kind of assembled and and wanting to, you know, I kind of wanted to know, like, because it kind of leaves you with the impression that a bunch of them probably get rounded up. And, and of course, there's no leadership really at this point because uh, John has killed Renolf, just savagely beats him with a flail. Um, and again, wonderfully, beautifully. <laughs> wonderfully done by, yeah. uh, by Nicole yeah. Williamson. Just but yeah, when the the soldiers go into the forest, it's it's not the the men in the forest don't have the the advantage. Some of them are throwing rocks, you know. Some of them have pitchforks, and um, and I think and that when I saw that, I thought, oh, that's why Robin rode out and did what he did because he mm-hmm. knows that these these men in the forest have no shot at defeating, you know, because yeah. they can't survive on the legend of Sherwood and Robin Hood anymore because, you know, maybe 20 years ago, soldiers couldn't ride into Sherwood and, and, you know, come out alive. But here, yeah, this is 20 years later. They don't have the trained, you know, woodsmen like they had before, if they had them before at all. But I think, I think that's what Robin's purpose was here to ride out, to try to make the combat, you know, just between those two men so that the people would have a chance to to live well and that yeah that's the that's the idea because again it's an act of self-preservation 
that happens to be beneficial to uh, to the common people. Yeah. And then this is... I say it's immaterial partly because the name of the movie is, uh, mm. is Robin and Marion. Of course. And it's broadly an adaptation of the uh, the death of robin hood yeah the ballad of the death of robin hood which is like i said at the beginning i remember when i read that in the the howard Pyle book mm-hmm. they uh they considered titling the movie the death of robin hood but they thought mm-hmm. marketing wise we probably don't want to say you know this is the death of robin hood and mm-hmm. I, I read that by titling it robin and marion it, it brings it gives audrey hepburn a bit more like you know it makes the movie more as soon as they so John helps Robin get off the battlefield, uh, accompanied by Marion, they they're close enough to her abbey that they they bring him back there. She can, mm-hmm. um, she's got medicine there. And as soon as they got him in this room, <clears throat> and I saw that there's a window next to his bed, I thought, oh, I think they're gonna do something that in the legend of Robin Hood is my favorite kind of aspect of the legend and yeah. I can't wait to talk about that but it's like yeah so so Marion goes to work like preparing some sort of medicine mm-hmm. and she takes a big drink of it herself and then gives it to Robin and meanwhile I, I did notice that it felt like Robin is he almost has the same death madness that I think uh, Richard had at the, at the start of the movie yes it's... you know he's he's very much on the edge but he's not like the difference, I think, is like Robin isn't thinking he's going to die. He th- he's talking about, oh, we're gonna have such adventures, you know. Like he's ready to to heal up and go back out, you know, for more. So, and he thinks that they're gonna be doing this for years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Marion's just keeping quiet. <clears throat> she prepares this uh, thing for him, you know, and it's like initially when she drank it, I thought, is she is she about to poison him? And, you know, he takes it and he's going on and on about this adventure and everything. And he slaps his leg mm-hmm. and then he looks at his leg and he's like, I can't feel it. I, yeah, my 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 legs have gone cold. They're they're numb. And it slowly starts to dawn on him, you know, and then we see Marion and she's kind of slumped against the wall and looking at Robin. And then you realize like, you know, kind of what, what's happened. And he realizes what's happened and shouts out for, for John. He thinks, you know, he's, he's like, I've been murdered, you know, mm-hmm. initially he's like this, I don't want this, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, it just beautifully plays out. Like she, she knew he couldn't keep going and she knew that this wound was probably too, too much for him. Um, I think initially I, I read this as, she didn't want to him to continue this life that they were going to go down the path of. And so she killed him for that. Now I kind of realize it's like, cause they don't really show his wounds or show, you know? So I struggled with the idea that, that this was a, a mercy killing. Like he wasn't going to survive this. So mm-hmm. she ended his suffering. You know, at first I read it as, she didn't want to spend her life, you know, running from the law or getting in and out of scrapes and doing, you know, so initially it was like, I saw it as two different ways. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if you recall ever struggling with that at all, or just seeing it one. one I did struggle with it the first time uh, I saw it 
Um, rewatching it now and kind of from from my perspective as an adult. Yeah. I I absolutely un- what she the reason she gives is true and accurate. Yeah. It is because she loves him and right. neither of them it, it is a mercy because he cannot be what he wants to be. Yeah. And she cannot be what she wants to, now that he has come back and what what is there she can't just go back to being the abbess not because he yeah. came back but because you know she's a she's a fugitive herself now sure and if he's going to go she what and what she says is i can't lose you a second time yeah but i've always 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 loved uh the ending of of the story of robin yeah. hood being this moment and I think it's very, it's wonderful to me that Marion is a later addition to the Robin Hood stories. Sure. And so to find a way to put her in this, which is one of the oldest Robin Hood stories. Yeah. And make her presence there extremely meaningful. Because in the in the oldest telling from the guest of Robin Hood, um, it's just Robin Hood and Little John. Yeah. At the end. And it's uh, some prioress. Who... And it's, it's Robin's cousin. Okay. Right. Um, in a lot of the tellings, so I, I actually I printed out uh, one of the older poems. He uh, he had he shoots his final shot. Yeah, that's my favorite aspect of this. Like I said, when they brought him to his deathbed, what I assumed was going to be his deathbed, and they there was a window there. I I thought, are they going to do the the arrow, you know, where, where he shoots the arrow and wherever this arrow falls, you know, will be my, where you lay me to rest. And, oh, so happy they did mm-hmm. it. And the, the way, uh, yeah, so uh, the way it is in the Howard Pyle, very much like in the film, he calls for, he has his horn, which we see yeah. for a bit in the, in the film. And he goes to his cousin's priory to be bled. Mm. Um and she poisons the wound. And uh, he, he calls on the horn, and little John happens to be nearby. And just like in the movie, he runs in and breaks down the door. Like, yeah. I, I love in this that he doesn't pound the door down. Mm-mm. He gets there once, and yeah, it's done. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. And then Robin explains, you know, the circumstances under which he finds himself, and that Marion... It's all right that they're going to go together. Yeah, he's uh, he's <clears throat> he's realized, you know, he wasn't gonna make it through this, and and she's she's going with him. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. So, what what it says in the Howard Pyle, little John comes in. Let he basically says, "Let me, you know, give you my blood like a transfusion." <laughs> oh, I don't I don't like the word here. See, see, and I. And thou wilt be roaming the woodlands as boldly as ever. But Robin shook his head and smiled faintly where he lay. My own dear little John, heaven bless thy kind rough heart. But my dear friend, we will never roam the woodlands together again. But we will, quoth little John. I say again, out upon it, who dares say that any more harm shall come to thee? Am I not here? Let me see who dares touch. Here he stopped of a sudden, for his words choked him. At last he said in a husky voice, if... Aught of harm befalls thee because of this day's doings, I swear by St. George, 
that the cock shall crow over the roof tree of this house, for the hot flame shall lick every crack and cranny thereof. But Robin Hood took Little John's rough brown fist in his white hand and chided him softly in his low, weak voice, asking him since what time Little John had thought of doing harm to women, even in vengeance. Thus he talked till at last the other promised, in a choking voice no ill should befall the house, no matter what happened. Then a silence fell, and Little John sat with Robin Hood hand in his, gazing out of the open window, ever and anon swallowing a great lump that came in his throat. Meanwhile, the sun dropped slowly to the west, till all the sky was ablaze with a red glory. Then Robin Hood, in a weak, faltering voice, bade Little John raise him, that he might look out once more upon the woodlands. So the yeoman lifted him in his arms as he bade, and Robin Hood's head lay on his friend's shoulder. Long he gazed with a wide, lingering look, while the other sat with his bowed head, the hot deer tears rolling one after the other from his eyes and dripping upon his bosom, for he felt that the time of parting was near at hand. And presently Robin Hood bade him string his stout bow and choose a smooth, fair arrow from his quiver. This little John did, though without disturbing his master or rising from where he sat. Robin's fingers wrapped lovingly around his good bow, and he smiled faintly when he felt it in his grip. Then he knocked the arrow on that part of the string that the tips of his fingers knew so well. Little John, he said, my own dear friend, and him I love better than all others in the world. Mark, I pray thee, where this arrow lodges, and there let my grave be digged. Lay me with my face toward the east, little John, and see that my resting place be kept green, and that my weary bones not be disturbed. And, uh, yeah. That's what happens. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's and you know Howard Pyle. The reason part of the reason I like it so much is that he he really just uses the uh, the dialogue from the poems from the ballads, yeah. and uh, he puts it into you know a, a prose into a text, and it's just one of the most beautiful images I feel in all of the Robin Hood mythology. Mm. And I I'm sad that we don't get to see it so much. And yeah. He, great that this movie brings that to the screen movie ends on robin firing that arrow and you kind of follow the arrow for a bit and it, until it just it just goes and you don't see it fall i like that about it it just goes mm-hmm. um and then the camera just like, drops onto the the window ledge where you see these three apples mm-hmm. like one of them kind of just looks fine and the other two are pretty withered the movie kind of opened on um, mm-hmm. with some apples. I think they were looked fresher then. Um, but I like, I wonder if ending it on the apples, I don't know what makes me get the impression then that maybe she used, is it arsenic that comes from apples or is it cyanide? And one comes from almonds and one comes from apples. So I, but I wondered if right. that's what she uh... used to, to poison him. And I didn't want to look up, uh, I didn't want to Google you know, how do you make like what poison do you get from apples? Whichever is the case, I, I. Well, I think we have a, uh, you know, we have some very clear uh, symbolism. The way the way the apples are arranged, I believe the fresh one is to the farthest left. Yes. And the two rotted ones are near the chalice. Yeah. And the the apples are Robin, Marion, and Little John. Um, the two dead, decayed mm. apples and the fresh one that we know yeah. is going to rot someday. Sure. And I think it's very, it's poignant. It's a little heavy handed, mm. but I think it's just a wonderful way. It mirrors the opening shot mm-hmm. and uh, it puts a button on it. 
Yeah. And like like I said, Marion is a recent addition to uh to the recent in terms yeah. of you know yeah. from the medieval version. More recent, yeah. Because I think her and uh, Tuck were added around the same time. Yeah. Um so to be able to bring her into this and it is cyanide. Okay. Uh, cyanide. Um that's why you they it's in apple seeds. Yeah. But to fold her into the narrative, which is this very into this final narrative, which is so focused on the friendship of Robin Hood and Little John, and to make her a part of that, mm. I think is just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, um, I love that. I, I like I said at the beginning, I didn't know what to expect going in, but um, I loved this movie. You know, I took it took a you know little while to for it to get started for me. Um, because it, it, cause it had some shaky, you know, little, little shaky ground that it got started on. But no, once, once it was a movie about Robin and Marion and I kind of came around to that and was like, oh, this is a, this isn't a, you know, this isn't Prince of Thieves. It's not, you know, no. a, a story about them becoming outlaws and, and having all these adventures. It's like, it is about these two characters finding each other again and, you know, the sheriff kind of who's pursuing them a little bit and like his part of it and little John, like it just all came together for me so well thrilled that I watched it mm-hmm. ends on such a, you know, bittersweet sort of ending, um, you know, because I don't know what the fate of everyone we met is going to be. I don't know what happens to little John, um, some of the, the woodsmen, you know, but yeah, I don't know. And I think on one level, from the story is about, it, it's called Robin and Marion. Mm-hmm. And even in its earlier version, where it was called The Death of Robin Hood. Yeah. So that's what it's about. That's where it has to end. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that, uh, that cheerful note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else to like really say about that. I mean, we don't really rate uh, movies necessarily on on this uh show so i don't really want to you know rate it i mean overall it's a movie i'm i'm like i said i'm thrilled that i watched um i i could see myself watching this one again in the future for sure if yeah. i'm um and it seems like you you know like you've said you 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 really like this movie as well so i do and i'd recommend it to anyone who's interested in some of the more uh yeah some some more depth to the robin hood story yeah this this brings that I wish I had, had had thought of it as like as a spiritual sequel to a different Robin Hood adventure, you know, because mm-hmm. um, while watching it, I was a little bit like, but what happened, you know, 20 years ago? What, you know, not not thinking of prior Robin Hood movies that basically tread that ground, you know, um, mm-hmm. so well, that's a interesting way to look at this. But yeah, what's uh what would you want to, uh, where would you want to direct any listeners to, to check you out? So uh, I do a podcast called Record All Monsters. We discuss giant monster movies. And if you enjoyed my uh, little intellectual deep dives into the history of what we were talking about today, you'll find a ton of that in Record All Monsters just in relation to giant monster movies <laughs> and some of the influences and ideas behind those films. Uh, so you can find us on Facebook just by typing in Record All Monsters Podcast. Uh, at Instagram, we are 
at recordallmonsters.pod. We're on Twitter at uh, at MonstersRecord. I think we have a blue sky. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, <laughs> probably and, if uh, you type in, if you search for Record All Monsters, you'll probably It's probably going to come up. Yeah. Um, it's not a very common name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I have a book coming out in November. Great. Uh, I don't know when this is going to be out. Pretty soon, uh, uh, as pretty soon. as recording. Yeah, pretty soon. Yeah, uh, November twenty eighth, uh, coming out. It'll be available on Amazon. It's called "Record All Monsters: The Book <laughs> of the Essays from the Podcast." Uh, it contains nice. forty two essays on giant monster movies and some little trivia factoids as well. Awesome. So there's that to look forward to. That's great. Um, well, yeah, I can't thank you enough for you know coming on for this episode and bringing so much to it. I mean, I... Oh, thank you. No, I think you're the perfect guest to, to talk about this movie with, so... Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. But, uh, yeah, so as far as uh, Road to Sherwood, the next stop um, is going to be... It's not a Robin... We're doing... I think I'm going to do every other movie will be a Robin Hood movie. So this is going to be a not Robin Hood movie. But again, the premise of this sort of... Road to Sherwood is movies that I feel are in a vein of a Robin Hood movie or in in some ways, you know, capture the spirit Mm -hmm. of Robin Hood. And I felt like I wanted to talk about the movie Ever After, a Cinderella story with uh, Drew Barrymore. Uh, It's from 1998, uh, directed by Andy Tennant. And I feel like that belongs in this on on this road. So. So yeah, that's going to be our next stop is uh, Ever After, A Cinderella Story. Very interesting. It's a movie I haven't seen in probably 25 years, 20, 20 years maybe. So, I've I've never seen it. Oh, okay. It's it's worth watching. I remember liking it then. It's just not one that, you know, I rewatched, you know, a lot, but I I believe it. The last time I had the chance to watch it, I was uh staying with my sister and her daughter, and they started it, and I fell asleep within the first 15 minutes because it was like, it was almost two in the morning, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just like... Not ideal circumstances for... Yeah. Yeah, fair. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's what where we're going next. I'm still recording episodes for Minute of Thieves. That's that's still well underway. Um, doing Having a good time producing those episodes, and... Uh, um yeah so look forward to all that but yeah next time we'll do uh ever after and uh until then stay safe out there outlaws no (laughs) then it's true the story oh yes now then what is that phrase you use once upon a time feels just like christmas i get a mother and sisters all in one day Say hello to your new stepsister. Mademoiselle. You poor little country girl. Thief! Get out! of France and it is my life what have we here no no
Accent to the sheriff's evil schemes, every detail discussed, analyzed to extremes. The men of Sherwood, so noble and true, direction and music and the lighting so blue. The wrongs he must right, justice is his plight against evil moons, witches, axes, and spoons. But for now, my dear friends, this episode must end. Once you return to this pod, through Sherwood we'll trod. Dear audience, please believe in this minute of thieves. Every pod that we do, we'll record it for you. Really, really, merrily, merrily.